internet, tell me the difference between stupid and illegal, and I'll have Shahir arrested. I dare you to tell me the difference between stupid and illegal. I don't know, but this is the only podcast about the film The Big Short. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm Shahir, and I'm still free. You're free for now until I figure out that weird quote from the movie. And yeah, we're going to be talking about The Big Short today. And this is the first movie in a while, now seven films, that isn't in the Star Wars universe. Well, I mean, let's see if we can do the mental gymnastics to get us there. Can you do a crawl crawl for The Big Short in the Star Wars? But maybe there's a young um, housing lender who who is an orphan who learns the way of math and then becomes some sort of Sith Lord. I mean, I feel like Lucas would include this narrative in the, in the prequels, prequels yes, if he could. Of course. But we're not going to talk about Star Wars. We've talked about Star Wars too much for a long damn time. So let's talk about a film that is probably, other than the taxation thing, the farthest <laughs> away from Star Wars we could kind of get. Yeah. Um, should I describe it to you? Just, Shahir, for those at home, please just have, just talk talk about the movie for a moment. Okay. This is a difficult one, and, I, and admittedly, I was kind of dreading doing this conversation because, Why? because before I get into the synopsis, the, the, the premise of The Big Short is to really give you full details of how the financial crisis happened. And even though characters... Of course, we're talking about the 2005 start to 2007 and then the, the, the 2008 meltdown, real, yeah. yeah. And the thing about watching it is even though the film breaks the fourth wall to stop and tell you how things happen, I'm... And, and I actually... You know, personal note, I have a background in accountancy. I, you know, I have a degree in accountancy. Um, and, Whoa. I, and, you know, ladies I, and gentlemen, I didn't realize we had a celebrity on the <laughs> show today. An accountant celebrity uh-huh. who's never practiced. I account you for a and celebrity. And who can't balance a checkbook and, or nor fill out his own tax returns. But wow. with that in okay. mind, <laughs> I'm less excited. <laughs> um, I still am struggling with what a synthetic CDO is or uh, or how collateral debt obligations work and right. how the actual mechanisms of this film work. So disclaimer alert before we start the discussion. If you have a background in macroeconomics, if you are a, a person who works in finance and understands exactly how the financial collapse happened... We will probably make mistakes within the next hour. Well, yeah, you're you're going to get mad because our excuse for most of these complex, like really intricate systems is going to be like a wizard did it. <laughs> so like that, that's where we're at, just so you know. So but, we're, we're trying to review this film, which is very data heavy. Yeah. Uh, and I don't care how many sexy Ryan Gosling's and Brad Pitt's you throw at me on the screen. Oh, they even had a, uh, uh, well, look, they had a Margot Robbie in oh, there, but you God, gravitated straight God towards bless. the Ryan Gosling. I'm well, not- I mean, he's in there more. <laughs> uh, and listen, I haven't seen her Harley Quinn yet, so I don't know if I'm still in love with her. All right, all right. Um, so here's what the big short is about. Right. When four outsiders saw what the big banks, media, and government refused to, the global collapse of the economy, they had an idea, the big short. Their bold investment leads them into the dark underbelly of modern banking where they must question everyone and everything. 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 Now, here's the unusual thing. The Big Short, which, as by the synopsis I've just told you, sounds like uh, something that a an Oliver Stone type of person would make. Sure. But it's made by Adam McKay, who, if you are keeping track, keeping score, is the director of Step Brothers, Anchorman, The Other Guys. Um and a lot of movies like that. I'm trying to think what else he. When I first heard that he was Talladega do- Nights. Yeah, when he, when I first heard he was doing this this film, I thought it was very strange. And then watching it initially, I thought it was strange as well. But then after and after it had a chance to let it digest a little bit. If you think about it, the way 
the and 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 it's a little bit of a leap, but the way that the comedy is handled in this movie, while it's not over the top like all of those wonderful Will Ferrell spectacles that you yeah. kind of just listed, uh, the pacing of the way a joke is told yeah. is very similar. Yeah, and there are, and and one the one thing that this has going for it, well, it has a lot of things going for sure. it. Sure, but um, the brevity with which a joke kind of lands in the mm-hmm. middle of a serious discussion about yes. how people are going to be affected by the financial crisis mm-hmm. is is actually really welcome on the other side this is no um you know like uh, mckay kind of leans on his his comedy history rather than you know going for something a little bit more absurdist uh in the way that say kubrick did with dr strange love right, you know right. which you know i'm not saying every film needs to be dr strange love but it's you heard some- it here first <laughs> shahir said every film needs to be dr strange love but the thing uh, i guess the amazing thing about this film that you know well at least about the the financial crisis in general is that you start to go this is nuts people you know like the way people approach buying houses back in 2005 2007 yeah. well you know with no money down poor fico scores basically the idea was you could just buy a house and you know because the housing market was completely solid and stable you were guaranteed at least a 20 to 30 percent return mm-hmm. unfortunately what the big short really posits and, and uh, our, our first character, Christian Bale, kind of really sees is that that is a recipe for disaster. And it led to the entire collapse of the financial of, of the housing market and the financial markets in 2008. So it's, you know, look, already we've not talked about characters. We've not talked about story. We've just talked about a big abstract thing well, that happened. And this is something that makes sort of reviewing this film Difficult, I feel, because yes, we're going to talk about the four main guys, really. And or actually, this guy like six or seven, really, but yeah. the four main actors that are sort of there. And we're going to talk about sort of the steps that they take to go through the film and basically break down this horrible thing that happened. But a lot of the discussion of this, and it's hard to break away opinion and passion about the actual horrible, horrifying incident. Uh, and the film itself about it. Like, the film itself, at first I thought this was going to be a little bit of a Wolf of Wall Street sort of of vibe, and it does it slightly, Mm -hmm. but not to the same panache that Scorsese sort of sets up for his film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is not Goodfellas 3. Uh, It's kind of the, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of an opposite sort of thing to that vibe, because this time we're following kind of, kind of the good guys, I don't, kind of, yeah, because they're all different. This is let, let's go into the, the the characters real quick because we're right here. Okay, so you've got um, uh, Christian Bale plays Doctor Michael Burry, who uh, is the head. Basically, all these guys hit up hedge funds, and they're real people, right? Uh, no, well, Michael Burry is a real person. Okay, uh, I think Ryan Gosling's character is based everyone else. Everyone person. else is based I on understand. a real person, uh, but not quite uh, directly like Michael sure. Burry is. And you can see Christian Bale is doing his somewhat method acting thing. Michael Barry really was a guy with one eye who was a medical doctor who got into science, who's probably sure. has some, uh, got into finance, who has some semblance of Asperger's mm-hmm. or, you know, like um, uh, the, an inability to communicate with humans one-to-one. Sure. Um, but but Christian Bale's Michael Burry, or Michael Burry's Christian Bale, um, discovers after a detailed analysis of collateral, collateral debt obligations that many... Um, financial instruments that are used that are traded by banks are propped up on terrible housing loans. He actually goes through each individual loan inside a collateral debt, and that that's kind of a crazy thing to do. 
Um, you got to be some serious OCD to actually have that go down. And that's something that I find very interesting about this whole concept of what this movie is based on and the actual collapse itself is it took a, a borderline you know, savant, yeah. savant character guy to actually look at all the shit that no one wanted to spend the time to look at because everyone's like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> but you're just stacking shit upon shit upon shit upon shit upon shit. And I don't know, and this movie does a kind of a good job of like not really, it, it, well, it kind of in the very beginning, it paints like no one knows that this is shitty but him. Yeah, it, it, it I mean, you know, the thing that's amazing about, we're, we're going to be talking about, it, I think we're going to have difficulty dispersing real life from, right. from the movie at some point. Right. But the amazing thing about real life, I guess, is that all of this information is available to the public. It's not a secret that uh, that the you know that the collapse was th that sure. housing yeah, 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 yeah. collateral instruments were based upon shitty loans. Sure, um, and and it makes me think kind of now about the way our lives are run right now that are based on terrible decisions. So, what, you know, one of the things I'm really obsessed about is contract law. I know that sounds super nerdy, but like not in this house. <laughs> every day we sign terms of agreements contracts with your service providers, rental contracts that we iTunes never, agreements that we never read. And it's like, fun what? fact, you own none of your music. Yeah. And, and we never look at any of these things. And it's like, what would it take for, for that little thread to unravel? Now, obviously it's not the same in the case of like a variety. Well, think about it this way. If everyone suddenly rejected their Verizon contracts because they were found they were illegal by law and Verizon collapsed, that would, that would cause so many, like a, so many, such a domino effect in that industry. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so it's amazing to me that that the information that this film trades upon is so publicly available. And and I think when I'm watching this film, there's such a sense, a seething sense of anger about how obviously people are being swindled. You know, people are being swindled. Uh, people are being cheated. People are being rused out of their money. But you know what's wonderful and sort of what the film does a great job at? You're absolutely right. What it does a good job at, because at first you're like, I went into this thing being like, this is about big banks screwing people. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. But it does it in a weird sort of way and it, and it, and it kind of, when it breaks down all of the shit that different people are doing to have their little pieces of, of horror that they're throwing into this pot, like they go and they talk to all of these people that like on the bottom level uh, that are actually selling some of yeah, these mortgage loans. brokers. Mortgage brokers. One yeah. played by Schmidt from uh, from New Girl. Who oh, really? Is so I'm so happy to see him getting work because he's fucking awesome. He was yeah. a real slimy guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but not the dude bro slimy guy. Okay. Uh, his buddy. Okay. And um, yeah, like so, like they're lying to their clients to sort of get them to do this and do this thing, and they're thinking that they're just going to make money off this client, but they're never thinking above what that's going to do yeah. when things are foreclosed or or whatever the proper word is for defaulted. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, defaulting on loans. Um, so then they have those people. Then you have the people later on. Uh, Steve Carell's character, who we'll talk about later, goes and talks to a woman who works at the agency that's supposed to be overseeing all of the way the that credit sort rating of, agency, credit rating agency, yeah, standards and pores. Uh, but they think they think because housing has been so. Uh, so so stable. so stable that they don't need to check this stuff on on the regular, and and, and they're also they're, because they're not they're a regulatory board, but they're also a private they're a private company they're that gets hired. paid for their ratings, right? So they can't if they give bad ratings, <laughs> they'll go to their they'll competitor. go to their competitor. So and we're talking about the banks again. So <laughs> it's like all of these people, and it does the film does a masterful job of showing you 
all of the tiny white lies that everyone in this industry sort of makes to get their day to go by better or to maybe make a little more money. And all the way, some of them are a little bit shittier and, and more scummy and more money. But like, I, I thought about it this way, and the film does a great job at sort of painting everyone as people, not like a monster coming to get you. Yeah. Um, think about all the white lies you tell in a day. Oh, hundreds. Okay. So it's like, and think about even like at work or like whatever, like just the little things you do to make your job go a little smoother. Yeah. That you've learned that you've whatever. That's what a lot of these people were doing. The problem is these things. I mean, th this kind of stuff that a, a smart person would see, and and it's hard to see the forest through the trees and all that jazz. But like, would see and be like, oh, this should be something that's regulated like medicine, because yeah. the the economy is a organism. It's a living thing yeah. that you can poison by doing this shit. This is the equivalent of eating nothing but mm. fucking Cheetos, uh, Cheetos, and <laughs> and runts candies for like six months and yeah. being like, oh, it's fruit. Yeah, like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, so because it's in the shape of fruit. Yeah, uh, and people were making money. People you know? were making money, and so it's this weird sort of thing. I had this thought in my head. I was like, well, you know, some of these people are, are purposely trying to screw people. Some of these people are just trying to get by better because they're being screwed. It's this. It's this wheel of white lied nonsense. Yeah, I mean, even uh, Steve Carell's character, Mike uh, Mike Baum or Mark Baum, Mark uh, Baum. Uh, says something at the beginning, which is that we have, you know, like banks have given us credit uh, credit cards with twenty four percent debt. We have been saddled with student loans that are completely impossible to pay. Mm -hmm. So the big, you know, us shorting a bank debt is kind of a fuck you to the bank. Right. Well, that's and that's the other thing, too. The characters all come at this. Yeah. For different reasons. Yeah. Like I just, real, let's just break it down. So Christian Bale doesn't really have a reason or not. He just thinks he's running his part of his uh, fund as as best he can no one believes him obviously because it's a crazy theory but yeah. he's just doing what he's always done trying to get the best deal for his money well so so let me i mean i'm gonna try and explain what he does or what the big short is poorly right now right, well, okay 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 but but basically what all the characters are gonna do but they do it for different reasons different reasons is that they see that the the housing bubble will eventually burst so they're gonna create a debt obligation, basically an insurance policy against it bursting. Uh, no, no, sorry, uh, for it bursting. It's basically right. like, as Ryan Gosling says um, in one in one of his like uh, sort of hilarious explanations, uh, "I'm standing in front of a burning house and I'm selling you fire insurance." That's essentially what the Big Short is. Yeah. Um, so go on, go on. How does everyone else approach so, it? So yeah, Christian Bale's doing it because he's just how what he does, and he's kind of the savant character, and he thinks that's the best way to do it. And he sees an opportunity and takes it. Steve Carell's character is doing it as a fuck you to the banks because he's had some some family trauma that didn't really have to do with the banks, but it kind of got you on the same page of like he sees the little guy getting screwed constantly. Yeah, and he wants to say fuck you, and he, sure he'll make some money. In the process. <laughs> he'll make a lot of money. Um. Then you have Ryan Gosling's character who hears about it from from the the report that uh, Michael Burry's character puts right. out. He just sees it as a way pure money, 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 money for money's sake. Basically, he's doing the same thing the banks have always done, just against them now. So yeah. there's no altruism in Ryan Gosling's character. No. And then the the it's like the fourth slash fifth and sixth character. These two like garage uh, like basically like. Uh, I'm trying to think of what their job actually is. Like brokers. Well, they, they were no, they were hedge funds man. They, they they had a small fund that they started in the garage, uh, for like with for with a hundred thousand dollars, and they managed right. to turn it to thirty million dollars. Right. So, but then they're trying to play with the big boys, so they get a uh, long gone uh, master of the arts of the mathematic arts, uh, Brad Pitt, 
who has since left the game of all of this banking nonsense. Uh, and they try to get him to sort of back them because they figured it out as well. Yeah. So everyone's base. Basically, a handful of people have seen that the financial collapse will happen and are going to um, try to profit off it. Try to profit off it. Now, does do those sound like heroes to you? Steve Carell's is the only one I and, would say is is the mm, most is mm. is the most like a hero. But. Yeah, and I'll preface this: uh, films don't need heroes. I'm no. just saying that the 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 film clearly is on these four people's side because they're the smartest people in the room, so to speak. And it this does lean on the whole thing about like big banks bad, like yeah. and there's a lot of shit wrong with banks. Like there's yeah. no question, but like I think it's. This is by no fault the filmmaker. This is just a a, a thing that you're going to go into. If you're going to make a, a, a movie yeah. about big banking, yeah. there's no way they'll be the good guy. Like mm. So by default, these characters are our heroes, whether he mm. wanted them to be or not. They are the people that you are rooting for through the movie. Well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, like I said, I have a finance degree uh, and I went through commerce school in New Zealand. Uh, and a, a lot of my friends ended up as bankers. And I was talking to a friend of mine in London who, who works for a big bank there who mentioned that it has never been more difficult to be a banker now than it has ever been. You know, like but 10 years ago when he started in the banking industry, it was kind of like, oh my God, you're a banker. That's amazing. You're probably going to make a lot of money. Now people say, oh, you're a banker. You're a wanker. Uh, essentially, you know, like you're a terrible person for mm -hmm. what you do. And he's just a guy who works in finance, you know, like he has a regular day job like the rest of us. So banking is the big boogeyman of this film. Uh, but, but, uh, but, you know, like there are other sides to this coin as well. Um, there's an, there's an HBO film, uh, uh, a few years ago that came out during the, the height of the crisis as well called too big to fail, uh, which is about the regulatory side of this, where, uh, I think we were following, uh, Ron Paulson, I forget his, no, Hank Paulson, uh, and Glenn Bernanke, uh, the two senior regulators in the White House at the time. Sure. Um, as they tried to, as they basically saw the collapse coming as well and tried to um, stave it off by, you know, by instituting a bailout for the banks. Um, and the great, you know, the, the, the thing in that film is that the, the and it happens in this film as well because it's, it's well documented that this was the case, mm -hmm. is that the banks received large bailouts, which were used to funnel back into their own bottom line, including bonuses for their executives. And that um, stuff we all kind of knew. Going yeah, there. and it, it was never intended to be that way. Um, but so th that's the kind of broad strokes of the plot. And we're, you know, we, we're, we're on a thing now where we're trying to stop giving you spoilers, but there's not too many spoilers for this film. Yeah, spoiler alert, the American people got fucked. <laughs> so, Matt, what did you think of the film? Uh, I think it's... To call it enjoyable is wrong because I think it's one of the better horror stories, horror films of <laughs> the year. Like, I watched it, and after I was done, I felt sick. Yeah. Like, I, I... And that's not, like, a slight to it at all. That's just sort of, you know how it rolled for me because I watched it and I, I wasn't personally hit hard by the, I mean, I didn't own any property. My family's house had already been long paid off. Like yeah. it, you know, it's, it's all, I, I was far away from this and I saw it happening. I saw the, the recession and like all that stuff too. Yeah. And the recession hit me uh, just like it hit everyone else, but like the housing part of it never hit me. Yeah, so there, I were, there were runoff effects though to everyone, of you know, course. mass unemployment. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And it's uh, been harder to wages. get, it's been harder to get entertainment jobs since yeah. like it's been all that jazz. Yeah. Um, but the 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 point that I'm trying to make is the 
I never thought about it too deeply other than, oh, fucking A, like mm-hmm. bailout, fuck, God damn it. Like, yeah. that's just piss, you know, whatever, because we're all paying for it. Yeah. Um, And after watching this film, you know, you see these guys in the film betting against the banks, and then you kind of come to realize even the most altruistic of them by the end is just kind of doing the same thing the banks are were doing in, yeah, a, in yeah. a reverse way to make money for themselves. Now, granted, they're screwing, screwing, quote unquote, the banks in the process, but not really because we're paying the banks. So they're going to use that money to pay to these people like there's no justice in this film. So when you actually are finished with it, while it is fun and I love they break the fourth wall a lot, I love when movies break the fourth wall well. And this one does. Yeah, Um, I, I, I was just left with the feeling of like, well, there was two hours of literally everything. No one I care about winning and everything that I should care about being screwed. Right. And it it, it left me with a real shit taste in my mouth. And and I watched it in a, 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 this morning of this day that we're recording the podcast. And like it kind of when I was going to work kind of put me into like a well, f- like, fuck, like we're, <laughs> it, it's it's it always amazes me when when a film can show you how fragile our ecosystem is be that our planet the environment our 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 government or the economy like it's run by people and people are selfish like that's that's through and through i truly believe that that most people if you're left to their own devices will get greedy i i honestly and this isn't me calling myself out in a weird way but i think that's true for me i think that's true of anyone you leave you put someone in their own little chamber and left to make their own decisions and you don't let them really think or see other people and the, the way things affect them. Yeah. They're going to choose what's best for themselves. <laughs> now, granted, it's also a spectrum. There's that to total fucking evil. Mwahaha. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I, I, I just was feeling pretty downtrodden. So to, I, it's so weird. Like it's one of those things. I even hark back to beast of no nation. Like this movie is medicine. Yeah, it's flashier medicine than Beast of No Nation. It's more it's it's a, got a ton of sugar and Mary Poppins is singing to you while you're taking it. Uh, or it's uh, that girl in the bubble bath or whatever, or yeah. the chef or uh, whatever, uh, or, or Ariana Grande playing craps or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I, I would want people to see it, but I, I won't say that I enjoyed watching it not because it was made poorly but just because the subject matter hits i mean this is the definition of too soon though again it should be seen it's just something this happened fucking what six years ago yeah seven years ago and we're still feeling the effects yeah it's not uh it's not that uh, long ago and what do you think what did i think well look i i am a sucker for this kind of movie i love movies that tackle difficult issues and try to work them into the you know, take the abstract and work it into a into a narrative right. that we can follow. I personally don't think this film does a particularly good job of that. Okay, I think I think this film essentially, to me, this film feels a little bit like a hybrid documentary with actors. Like it, it's basically stopping to give you information, but it has actors act reenacting scenes. Right. Whether it has a convincing through line as a story. I'm not entirely convinced. I think I think it's I think it's compelling material and I think it's very well put together. I, I'm not a I'm not a particularly the 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 style to me kind of felt a little gimmicky. Um, oh no, it was incredibly gimmicky. Yeah, incredibly gimmicky and, and a little gr- it got grating after a while to me. But but you know the the interesting thing was is that uh, when I watched The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, for example, mm-hmm. there was a scene in which Jordan Belfort's character, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, 
is explaining how the Steve Madden, you know, the the, the shoe company, how the IPO for Steve Madden is going to work and basically how he's going to uh, profit in either in any direction, no matter sure, how it sure. goes. And then he stops and he's talking to the fourth wall and he breaks it and he goes, you guys don't really care about this, do you? Let's just move on. And that that scene always really irritated me about The Wolf of Wall Street because because although my opinion about The Wolf of Wall Street has changed over time, that scene, when I first watched it, kind of indicated to me that the, that the film was more interested in excess than it was in detail. So it was more interested sure. in the, the the lavish lifestyle of Jordan Belfort than it was in detail. I've since kind of, kind of reconciled that with re- repeated viewings as to what the film's actually doing. Mm-hmm. But so so when I was watching The Wolf of Wall Street, I was basically like, man, I want to see a film where they really get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> and then ask and you shall receive. And this is a good example of like, be careful what you wish for, because uh, the big short delivers exactly what I was asking for. And. And it it loses the essence of what was good about The Wolf of Wall Street, which is that it has a, a clear, thorough narrative line. So the the films that I kind of love like this, like there's, there's a few movies that I can watch every year. And okay. and, and I, I love movies where it's the little guy against the system. I those are those are kind of my you know, like my Star Wars. They're they're what really gets me excited. Yeah. And so the films I love I, I love The Insider. I love JFK. I love Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Um, you know, those are movies I could watch at any at the drop of a hat. Okay. Um, and then other films like this are The Corporation, Inside Job, The Floor, and Enron Smartest Guy and the Smartest Guys in the Room. Now, if you notice, of the seven films I just mentioned, four of them are documentaries. Right. And three of them are narratives. And I feel like this film, The Big Short, is is trying to do the informational dump that that say inside job or the corporation does, but kind of missing the narrative through lines that Mr. Smith goes to Washington and JFK and the insider do really well. It's there. It's certainly there, but I mean, I don't know how about how you felt, but like the film kind of wants to take you through this journey of people getting excited that they could make money, then realizing the reality of how they're going to be making this money. And then the in the third act, what we realize is that it's potential, you know, like all these people have made this giant bit against the economy and it might not happen because the the regulatory system is so flawed and so corrupt that it that they keep lying basically yeah. banks and and yeah. regulatory things keep lying to keep things afloat as yeah. long as they can so essentially uh, like for example Michael Barry's character has bit one billion dollars against this right against this crash happening and it's not happening because the banks keep covering up their their losses and the regulatory agencies keep supporting them doing that so so the film kind of starts you with this. Oh, we could do something really cool. We're we're gonna buck the system. Then it's like, uh, then it's the excitement of bucking that system. Then it's finally the, the re- you know, then there's the possibility that it won't happen. And then finally, there's a the realization when the crash finally happens. Spoiler alert: it does happen. Oh God! Um, that that it's it's really Brad Pitt's character who says something along the lines of, "This is why I hate finance because it takes it takes." It convert it turns every human being into a number, mm-hmm. and what you what you have to real and Brad Pitt's character confronts his two younger brokers, um, and says to them, "What you have to realize, and I'm paraphrasing badly. Brad Pitt is a very good actor and does this better than I will, mm-hmm. is that you've just made money off people losing their homes, their jobs, their livelihoods. You're about to profit on the collapse of the American economy." Um, and, and the, 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 the final, the finale of the film is really positing that although these four people, you know, um, rallied against the system, 
the system is broken and people lost and there should be some, you know, there should be some remorse for the fact that this is the way it happened. Um, and I don't know about you, but that didn't like purely, f- I, I think on a, on an intellectual level, that does make sense to me, but on an emotional level, the film doesn't, that, that mo the, that realization doesn't resonate for me. And it may have it to me, it has to do with this, this structural style that the film has, which is, you know, this, this breaking of the fourth wall with characters talking to, to each other with, with basically the film stopping through midway points to, to explain things through document. They even do this, this funny thing where they bring in celebrity like actors to, to explain complex financial instruments to you. Which and, is fun. It's fun. You know, you have, and they do fun things like, Hey, here's Margot Robbie in a bath, in a bubble bath, shipping, sipping champagne to explaining what a collateral debt obligation is. And here's Anthony Bourdain explaining how collateral debt obligations go bad. Mm-hmm. And here's, uh, uh, Selena Gomez Selena explaining Gomez, explaining what, what a synthetic uh, collateral debt obligation is, and that on top of the breaking of the fourth wall, the lack of singular narrative structure, a uh, singular narrative through line, makes it difficult to follow this as a journey. As much as it's kind of a a series of events, and something that threw me out of the film a lot, and kind of the topic brought me back in. I feel more than the film did is, and this might just be my editor brain talking, but the continuity, the small time continuity in this film is atrocious. It's funny. I was watching this, and it was almost. I, I wonder if it's a choice. Well, I was watching this. And this is this is going to sound terrible, but this to me feels like a film that was edited in Adobe Premiere. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's it, like that. That's not technically correct i don't even know if that's the case but what i what i mean by that is that this feels like where where you have every choice available to you so you start throwing and you and the pace at which you can put things together is so quick that you may not consider those decisions as as succinctly as you might you know, I don't know if I'd base that on the on the on the editing system so much as the time frame you're given to cut a piece. But all right, that's apples and oranges. Yeah, but you know, you know, I think you know what I mean when when I say it feels very haphazard. Now the style the style of the film is haphazard yes. and and kinetic and right. And, you know, like but it threw together. me. It yeah. threw me off. Not only like the bigger sort of editing choices, but the smaller ones. Like the Margot Robbie in the bathtub had her pick up and put down that champagne glass right, like nine right. times before she did, and like it didn't connect where her, she was spatially. So I was like, oh, they did a bunch of takes and just tried to pick the best one. Well, and but it's just fine. That's what movies are. Yeah. But but then like later on, like where they're doing an example with the Jenga, the Jenga, uh, the Jenga pieces with the with the different type of tri- from triple A to tri- triple B or whatever, like. Uh, Find it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A wizard did it. Um, the they knock the thing down violently, and then all of a sudden it's back up. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? So there's lots of <laughs> moments like that that took me out of it. Yeah. Um, the film itself, again, I I I, I said in the beginning, it's going to be hard to review a film like this because it's it's too close to home. It's mm-hmm. too like this is stuff that everyone in America is still at some way. It felt the the hit of it when it happened hard. And now we're still sort of reveling back from it net today. And so you can't you can't like go into this thing objectively and like, do I really care about this movie because it's well made in a style that I enjoy? Or do I care about it because it's an important thing that happened in American history that's still affecting the United States up to today? And there's not a lot like your documentary that you brought up is one of them. But like, if you even look at who on a daily basis before this movie, who the fuck thinks about the housing collapse anymore? Like, even though it's affecting us, 
Who the fuck thinks about it? This movie ends with a quote. Like they have a bunch of facts about what every character is doing or whatever. And then at the end, it said something about banks are starting to, I don't even remember what it is, but it was like something like banks are starting a new thing called blah, 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 which is basically a, the federal debt obligation. Uh, yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, a CD or whatever it is. So it's like, you're like, it's 2015. This already happened. And the fuckers are doing it again because they know <laughs> they fucking know that they are quote too big to fail. Well, that and also we have a short institutional memory of the way the world works. You know, like we don't really see how these bigger problems manifest themselves repeatedly over time. Um, and, you know, like there are like so I would have to posit that I'm probably, you know, like I'm somewhat of a um, as far as economic theory goes. I'm a, a fairly liberal genius, thinker, oh, no. a liberal thinker when it comes to economics, fairly lifty kind of leaning Um and and so to me the 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 notion that um that basically unregulated financial markets are a good thing is doesn't doesn't hold water for me because because uh, I think you know one of the big I, I think it was Alan Green <laughs> I, I do have an interest in economics and so I think it was Alan Greenspan who who <laughs> keep telling us that you're here who talked about his he 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 suddenly realized that there was a flaw in unregulated um uh unregulated financial markets you know basically the the right you know the right theory right wing theory is that unregulated financial markets will correct themselves people <laughs> yeah. will. You know, like basically if uh, if something doesn't do well financially on the market, that's an indicator of its failure to exist. Um, but 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 Alan Greenspan had some conversation many years ago, and I think it's what the documentary The Floor is based on. Uh, and when I say floor, my funny accent, it's if L-A-W, the floor. Oh, see, I didn't know that. <laughs> right. Okay, there you go. I was like, oh, it must be about a floor somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I was looking at your face when I said the floor, and I, I, and like, I think you looked at the floor. I was like, I was this like, floor? <laughs> the so, flaw. The flaw. There you go. <laughs> welcome, not, welcome, welcome to our native land. That sounds so strange to me. Um, but he basically posited that, that, and I think Adam Smith might have even talked about this, is that that we believe that that all people are rational actors when it comes to the financial market, <laughs> which is that we will do what is in our own best interest and we will um, we will always do certain things uh, because they are of interest to us. But the truth of the matter is, is that human beings are irrational players in every game that they are, which which means is that we we're not robots. We will do things that are irrational. We'll do things based on emotion. We will act selfishly, act greedily. Has there ever been a human interaction that, and I'm not saying in between two people, I'm saying like an activity, whether it's business or a game or something where no one has ever cheated? No, no. And, and, and there are, there are great studies about how, um, well, there's, there's studies on both sides. One is that cheating is essentially is a necessary human trait that is, that has supported our evolution um, to be the top of the food chain today, and then the other another one. Which, I guess I guess it, it is sort of cheating to shoot a shark rather than get in the water with it and punch yeah, it in the face. Exactly. All right, all uh, right. Touche, and, science. And then another and another theory that altruism is actually um, it, there's a book called Altruism about a the guy who coined the phrase uh, or or actually did some research into the into the history of human altruism, who uh, basically figured out well his theory is that altruism is a demonstration of power um and and is a, it, although we might think of it as being selfless it's actually a demonstration of how how much power one can exude over another person fuck i'll go one i'll go one <laughs> step deeper into the rabbit hole like altruism in general 
is there's no such thing as <laughs> altruism because why do you do a good thing, Shahir? I don't because it makes me feel good. There at, you at, go. at, if if at, that's the very baseline, of course, level. it's the baseline thing. It's, and, and it's not. And it, again, that's not saying you're selfish. Yeah. That is a a function of your body. Yeah. Your body gives you endorphins to make you feel good <laughs> when you do a good thing. So you, as a as a button pushing endorphin lover, <laughs> want that thing. So you're like, oh, I'm gonna do good things. Now, granted, that helps other people, makes other people's endorphins get released. Yeah. But but th- to to say that there is a selfless act or an act of altruism is truly a lie we're getting off topic we're getting off topic but i guess the the point i wanted to come back to when i was talking about the way that the film doesn't narratively engage me is similar to the way that we talked about beasts of no nation if we would have if we're to talk about this film in two different ways one is the actual subject matter i think we're both in agreement that the subject matter is horrific there are um it's certainly a demonstration of of the fact that human beings are shitty people. Um, but on the other side of it, can we just, can we divorce the film from its subject matter? It's so and, fucking hard. And, you know, cause I think we did this with beasts of no nation, which we, where we said, I, if I recall that we, we both were, um, felt that it was great that the film exists, but weren't necessarily narratively engaged in that film. And I think it, for me, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. for uh, this film. I, I will say this, if you, I'm just sort of like in my brain, ripping them apart, uh, taking the symbiote off, if you will. And this movie, if this was about, let's say, let's say if this film was about um, the, I'm trying to think of something that no one cares about, uh, the the rise and fall. Well, of, I've got a good example for sure, you. Sure, please. That, uh, Sabermetrics. Uh, in Moneyball, no, a real thing. That's no, a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but no, Moneyball is an the, interesting yeah, thing. I, I like Moneyball. I, I think Moneyball is an engaging story about a topic that I don't give a fuck about. Exactly. When I saw the trailer to Moneyball, I think I tweeted something about uh, along the lines of of like who wants to watch a movie about how a system works. This is the opposite. <laughs> yeah. This is a mediocre film. Says that's what I will actually say about a topic matter that's so important that it transcends the film's inherent flaws and somewhat mediocrity. It's it's serviceable. Yeah, like, it's it's not a bad film no, by any stretch. Of but the it's also like think about if this movie was about if it, this movie if if Moneyball was presented in the way this film was in a series mm-hmm. of kind of vignettes about semi real people dealing with the minutia of the way baseball works with you with no one that in the film that you really want to win. Yeah. That's that's not interesting at all. Yeah, and 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 it's you know because it's interesting because Moneyball is written by Michael Lewis as well, which The Big Short is based on a Michael Lewis book as well. And but the thing that Moneyball has going for it is it has Aaron Sorkin writing it, right? And 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 he wrote characters and not just bullet points. Well, I think he found a way to make sh- he finds a way to make the abstract real. You know, he finds a way to take the abstract concept of what sabermetrics is and makes it real. So. You know, as and and I'm I'm the I was the I was shocked that I enjoyed Moneyball as much as I did. I know it was such a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I was like, I, there's no way I'm going to enjoy this movie. I don't like baseball. I can't imagine enjoying a movie about uh, um, uh, a statistical system. Um, but 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 Moneyball managed to find a way. And I think the director was Bennett Miller as well, who is a very strong director. Um, you know, he did Foxcatcher and yeah. Capote. Um, so. So it's so you can feel at the edges of the frame, you know, Adam McKay's 
anger about this, you know, mm-hmm. and and he has got so such considerable talent as a as a comedy writer and a comedy director that he manages to infuse that anger with some brevity. Yeah, and it's great, but unfortunately, the film, for me personally, lacked the narrative through line to make it land. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's so funny. Like the only reason this film ends mm-hmm. is because the crash happened. Yeah. It's not that the film was building to the crash happening. It's it's time is going on whether or not this film is going. And yeah. that's that, that's sort of the weird thing. The film almost seems like something that's latching on to something else and being like, but I got to tell you about this. Mm. Oh, wait, wait, then this happened. I gotta, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I got to get the money. Like, it's very, it's very, re- the, here's what it is. The film feels reactionary to its subject matter and not the other way around. The subject. Yeah. it Because it's, I, 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 I feel st- like it, like, and that's more documentary. It's what you said in the beginning. Yeah. This feels like a documentary with actors in it. Yeah, exactly. And it feels like I guess it is. And and I'm not sure that if the intended effect was to was to inspire people to to, to try and you know and demand change. I don't think this film is going to do that. No, and you know you just look at the marketing campaign of this movie too. Like mm. it it the mm. what they're marketing is not the film you're going to get. No, it's a very different film. To it like. comes off as a bunch of Robin Hoods played by super attractive Hollywood leading white men. Yeah. Uh going to go take on the big banks and fucking win and make some money. So, it's almost like it's almost like banking entourage in the <laughs> in the in the advertising. Now, there's one there this is a this is a little side note, but it's something I I found when I just looking at the Wikipedia page for this book. And it was something I felt when I was watching the movie, but I, I kind of said, well, it's based on a true story, so maybe this is the way it was. But this is a real boy movie. It's like, it's all guys in rooms. You it's know. a real white boy movie. It's a real white boy movie as well. I even wrote, it's a, it's a who's who of white actors. Yeah. Male white Hollywood actors. But, it, you know, like, it feels like men in rooms determining our future. I'm, I'm quoting a Fleet Foxes line. Um, but when you looked, when I went back and looked at, um, just the Wikipedia page, it turns out that there was a woman who was, who was a hedge fund manager who was key to all of this. And, uh, her name is Meredith Whitney. Now, I don't know the reason why her character wasn't included in the film. Right. Um, you know, there may have been legal reasons for it. There may have been adaptation reasons, who knows, but I do know that other characters were, fictionalized for the film, you know, like um, right. Mark Baum do- isn't a real person. He's based on somebody else. So the fact that this film doesn't include women or, or, you know, or for, 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 you know, most part people of minority, yeah. uh, you know, minority colors, it, it feels like it's, it makes it difficult to kind of go along with it as, as a piece of reactionary art. And now we're learning, now that you're telling me that Mark Baum isn't a, isn't a real character. He's based on a real character. Okay, but like there's moments where Ryan Gosling, who kind of serves as a narrator, breaking the fourth wall all the time, like uh, Baum gets up during a, a convention and screams and does a thing. And, and he says, this really happened. He goes, this really happened. I was there. This was a thing. And I was like, now that I know that that guy's not real, I'm like, oh, well. It's based on uh, sure, the maybe, person. Maybe a dude did that, but yeah. that has a little bit less of a reverence. So, so uh, we're running a little short on time here. So let's just sort of go in and do some final thoughts. Uh, you go first. If I was to recommend it to people, I would say, yeah, watch it on DVD, watch it on, watch it on Blu-rays, watch it at home when it comes on iTunes or whatever. Um, I, I think, you know, like for me, uh, that documentary, The Flaw, The Flaw. You got it, you got it right now. Inside Job. Um, there, are, there are many, uh, you know, the, the financial collapse is well documented. Um, and I'm not certain that this film is going to change things, but it's certainly an entertaining look at 
something else that happened in that period, which is this idea that people bit against it. Now, politically, is the fact that they bit against the the financial crash uh, a revolutionary idea or even... Even no, there's been other things in history like, uh, mm. oh, a great thing. Here's a shout out real quick. Mm. If you're into this sort of uh, politics and sort of like history of things like this. Yeah. Um, there's a series that my buddy James Portnow does called Extra History. It's on oh. YouTube. Yeah. And he takes complex geopolitical, sometimes socioeconomical plots throughout history mm. and gives you like a seven part indu- like sort of uh, thing on what happened, who are the main players were. It's very entertaining, and I suggest you check it out. Um, they did one on um, on the South Sea Trading Company uh, huh. back in the day, and it has a lot. Now that I'm sort of talking about it, it has a lot of similarities to how this happened. Just this was with more computers. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt. No, no, the, no. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that kind of leads like the way you just described that was much more engaged. And I feel like this film really wants to engage people on that level. It wants to generate outrage. It wants to generate, hey the system is rigged and the the house always wins and and that's not right. Now, we're certainly seeing some of the the I, I think that's a popular wave of 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 thought right now if you're looking at uh, the election particularly on the democrat side. Um um it, it feels like this this sense of inequality and the sense that the game is rigged is a key narrative that's happening in our culture right now and I I I would argue it stems back to to uh, Occupy Wall Street in, sure. some, in some capacity. But does this film inspire that outrage or does it contribute to that narrative? I think it wants to. I think perhaps if you can get past those, if you can just watch it as a piece of information, then then it will it will function in that way. And maybe the fact that it's a populist piece of information with big Hollywood stars like Brad Pitt, Ryan Gosling, and Steve Carell in it that will help, but does it accurately reflect, um, the, what actually happened? And does it, does it generate the kind of outrage that'll make you do something? I'm not necessarily so sure about that, but see the film. <laughs> my, yeah, no, that's good. And my final thing, my final thought is sort of this, this film in a weird ass way with its subject matter does exactly what its characters do to the economy. It's taking a concept yeah. that is super high end and basically using it, twisting it, molding it to said co- to, to your specific advantage, either the characters in the film or the film itself. Yeah. It's this weird inception dream within a dream sort of nonsense. And it does it and it pulls it off. It does. It pulls it off. It get, The film gives you the information. But at the end of the day, like you said, is it going to inspire change? It's not great enough to, in my opinion. It's not and, great enough and, to, yeah. and if, if, if people losing real money and real homes and not seeing more than one single fucking person go to jail was not enough to, to make people rise up and go, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, I don't think this movie's going to do This movie's definitely not. And I'm not saying they're trying to do it, but I, I think they're, they're, they're wisely manipulating a popular subject matter that affected lots of people to make a film and use that, the feeling that people have to that, uh, you know, about that topic in the movie's favor. So yeah. it's not great. I think you should see it just because it's interesting, especially if you haven't thought about it in a while. Just to think about it again. Uh, <laughs> but we do have to get going. Shakir, buddy, this has been the only podcast about the big short. You can uh, email us at onlymoviepod at uh, onlymoviepodcast at gmail. We have a Twitter account at onlymoviepod. You can reach me uh, at www.shahirdowd.com. Matt Crow, where can we find you? You can find me 
all over the interwebs. You can find me at uh, www.matthewkrollkrol.com. You can find me on Instagram at Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z or Emperor MSK on Twitter. I don't think I'm going to consolidate it. I know I say I'm, I'm <laughs> like, oh, no, I haven't done it. No, fuck it. It's all separate. Um, you can bet on us not delivering another podcast in time for the holidays. You know, we'll, we'll try as much as we can. But if you wanted to, or, you could make an insurance plan against us delivering something good. Or, fun fact, maybe this will drop after the holidays. You don't know. Ooh. You don't know. Or bet maybe it. just bet against us. Can I borrow five bucks? <laughs>